Hi, everyone, and welcome back to SCORE's podcast, Inside College Admissions. On today's episode, our strategic advisor, Peter Van Buskirk, is going to interview one of our high school counselors. Peter is the owner and founder of Best College Fit and brings over 25 years of experience to college admissions. He's also a contributor to SCORE's blog, so make sure you check out his work there, too. Now over to Peter for today's conversation. Welcome to Inside College Admission, conversations with college advisors about matters affecting the college-going process. My name is Peter Van Buskirk, and I'm joined today by Lou Gilman, who is a CAP advisor and college advisor at Coral Reef Senior High School in the Miami-Dade County area of Florida. Welcome, Lou. Hi, thank you for having me. Well, it's great to have you on board. Now, before we get into any of the really good stuff, you have to help me understand, what is a CAP advisor? Could you help me understand yeah, I'd be happy to. In Miami-Dade County Public Schools, each of our high schools have a, has a position within our student services department called CAP, which stands for the College Assistance Program. And so you're a CAP advisor, CAP counselor. And it's been a program that has been in Miami-Dade County Public Schools for about 30 years to provide outreach and service and help and, and literally just everything a college lady does. That's what they call me at the school. So you're the go-to person then. Uh, at Coral Reef with regard to anything college then, right? Correct. We do outreach as early as ninth grade with presentations, parent nights, college fairs, all kinds of stuff. Cool. Now, tell me a little bit about Coral Reef. Give me a sense of the demographics of of the high school that, that you're working with, the population and so on. Absolutely. Well, in the Miami area, of course, one of our greatest features down here in South Florida is our diversity, and I love it. I absolutely think it's the best thing about our area, and our school certainly reflects that. I have about a little over half of my population is on free and reduced lunch, but we are a magnet school. The students do apply to come into our school. We have six fabulous academies. We have a visual and performing arts academy that requisition our portfolio, but all the other academies are based completely on lotto. The students apply and, you know, they have like for engineering, they'd have to have algebra one. But other than that, once they meet all of that, they, it's a lotto. So we serve and, and happily so every student that comes through the door via the lotto. <laughs> and so we do have everything. I have students who are interested in everything from the military, vocational, technical, um, lots of service academies, but the, we have a very strong college going culture. I would say between 80 and 90% go four year. So, you know, what happened to that college going culture back in March? when it seemed like things were going to erupt with a a pandemic, and indeed they did. Can you kind of give us a quick sense of of, of what life was like within the walls of Coral Reef at that time? Yeah, absolutely. We shut down on March 13th. It was Friday the 13th. The SAT was the next Saturday. We were supposed to, my own daughter is actually a senior at the school with me, and she was supposed to take the test that Saturday. And you know, proctors weren't comfortable coming in to test, and so we had a real difficult time with that. Over the weekend, we, the entire school system, all of Miami-Dade County Public Schools pivoted to online. And we really did great. I was really impressed with my teachers, with my staff, with everybody, the kids too. You know, we, we started school Monday and, you know, it was definitely very different. Our colleges and universities locally, you know, I, I met with a lot of them and lots of meetings and whatnot, and they had their class of 2020 pretty much in place, you know, with March and April. Here in Florida, we have a phenomenal scholarship program called Bright Futures that is based on test scores, and that really impacted our class of 2020 because they missed out on probably about 
four or five test dates that they could have either qualified for the test, or excuse me, the scholarship, or had their score increased to go from a 75% in-state tuition to 100% in-state tuition. So that was a lot of trauma and drama, um, meeting with parents and trying to walk them through that while trying to get my class of 2021 off and running because I had just completed, of course, uh, around January, February, my junior class presentations about getting excited about college. So it was, it was, it was interesting. A challenging time, let's say. Challenging time, to say the least. Well, and, and I sense that you're here with a smile. So that you're surviving, and I would imagine your students are as well. What do you see now that the fall semester has started? What do you see as the big challenges for you and college-bound students as, as you try to get them on track, seniors with applications, juniors with, let's get serious about preparing for the college application process? Yeah, well, I really am just engulfed with my seniors right now. Mm -hmm. it's, I've had a few emails from juniors. I'm like, you're all going to have to let me get past November 1st. Really, our biggest challenge down here is testing. The state of Florida is the only state whose public university system is still requiring test scores. And I've been working very closely with the directors of admissions at all 12 of our state universities and the college advisors throughout my county and the state since March, really, with what we could do for the class of 2020, but definitely through the summer and for our class of 2021. And the admissions folks have been phenomenal. It's a state law. It's not their decision. They have tried. They have petitioned. They have done everything in their power. But it is the mountain that we now face. And so we've worked with the admissions folks. Our district has done a phenomenal job once our numbers came down enough where we were able to start opening up more test centers to be able to test our students to build that testing capacity and then trying to notify and, and communicate that to our students and families, which is a, is a big challenge. So our, our biggest challenge, I just say, is the testing component. So many of my students here in Miami and in Florida take advantage and, and do great with that scholarship and financially really helps them out. But having that component of still requiring the test scores is definitely a challenge. And then the other end of it is the communication, trying, you know, when half my kids are online and we've got the technology, the very real thing and trying to get that information out to them. I'll start all of that all over again with the juniors real soon. <laughs> Aren't you lucky? <laughs> well, with regard to your students and their, their aspirations, can you give me a sense of where they're headed? I would imagine, given the very lucrative scholarship opportunities in Florida, many of them are staying in state. Do you have many that head out of state? I do. At Coral Reef Senior, like I was saying, it is a very college-cultured school, for lack of a better term. And one of our biggest academies is our IB International Baccalaureate Academy. And a lot of those, you know, those students are all, I'm sitting here finishing up applications now to all the Ivies and the service academies as well. Very strong service component here in the Miami area too. And yes, a lot of them like to go out to the Northeast. The West Coast is a bit of a stretch, though I do have a few that like to venture out. I finished a few out working on a couple with um, of the UCs out West. But, um, but yeah, they do. They definitely do look to go um, out of Florida and try and take advantage of that. And, and this year, from what I'm seeing of the applications coming in and what my students are looking for is no different. So our fingers are crossed. Since this date last year, the number of test optional schools has grown by 60%. How have your students who are looking out of state, how have they received that? Is that something they see enthusiastically or do they see us cynically? 
they do at the beginning it, it was kind of hard to convince them that the colleges really meant it like they really do mean they're going test optional and a, lo a lot of these virtual visits we did spend some time on that topic and i would ask our reps to kind of go back over it one more time and what else are you going to look at and use and um you know the merit money and all of that so you know that the the struggle for the transparency is real definitely because kids you know want to know what you know what matters and parents do too so you know they are definitely coming into it more what i'm seeing a lot of my kids who are really you know stretching and going for those highly selective and ivy leagues and things like that are talking about different opportunities to you know alternative assessments they want to share okay i don't have or I, my sat or sat isn't that great or they won't test at all whatever the circumstance may be but they want to share um an ap score or their ib predicted or just a really great essay that they felt really really good about and you know they're reaching out to the colleges and asking is this okay and, and i've been finding schools are very receptive to that that's very heartening to, to hear. And, and earlier this year, I had conversations with deans of admission at about 20 schools around the country. And we talked about the, the testing situation. And to a person, they said, it doesn't make sense for us to hold students accountable for information that they couldn't produce in a normal fashion. So, I, I, of course, there were then already a thousand schools that had been test optional and now another 60% on top. So the thing that's interesting is colleges have known for a long time, they can make good decisions about whom to admit without the test. So now many of them are venturing into the, the, the realm of uh, how, how's this going to work logistically for us too. I think my own experience as a dean of admission told me that the, the test option was really a delightful thing to have at my disposal to look at kids and not numbers. A similar concern I would imagine many of your families have, uh, they're probably worried about what are colleges going to think about the disruption that's taken place and in your students' uh, learning experience from March until now. How are you and your colleagues addressing that disruption? How, how do you help to frame the response at, at Coral Reef to the colleges when students apply? Right. Well, as part of our school profile at the very beginning of the year, I sat down with my counselors and said, okay, we have to put something in here that explains what we did in March and what we're doing now, which we did. And we, you know, really, we didn't go pass fail or anything like that. All the students received regular night grades just like they would. We did explain the going, you know, fully remote and opening remote with the option of coming back, given to the parents and families and things like that. Mm -hmm. Though our statewide testing for the graduation requirement here in Florida, we have like many states, we have a graduation exam called the FSA, and it was canceled last year as the students didn't have to sit for that. But AP testing, as we all know, went forward. And so, you know, we included that in there as well. I believe IB testing um, was also canceled. So we clarified that as much as we could on the profile. With my students and families, you know, I explained that it's vital to share their story and everybody's story is just as you know legitimate and important as everyone else's and, and i pray and hope every day that there's never a story in there that has to do with health and we know by the numbers of course there are and that's something that definitely needs to be shared and addressed but also the 
obstacles and limitations and restrictions about testing, what your plans were in the summer, in the spring and in the summer, were you gonna try to go visit? Did you have an internship lined up? And if you did have that internship lined up, what did you hope to get out of it? What was the thing that drew you to it? And to try and you know work around the different questions and opportunities they had to share all of this information in the application on the resumes and of course on the common app COVID question, but any other place where they could in an interview, like, you know, wherever else they could share that, yeah, this came and disrupted, but this is how I handled it, or this is what my family and I decided to do about it, or this is what we did. I'd like to go back to the admission process and, and touch on one other piece that, that I'm sure some of your kids are wrestling with around November 1, perhaps an early decision. Are you seeing uh, any changes in attitude or approach to early decision this year in light of coronavirus? It's always been a little scary for them, that commitment with the finances and all of that stuff and teaching them or working with them from their junior year about, you know, net price calculators and understanding what it means and, and all of that. So, um, yeah, you know, you know, they, they have some, I'm sitting there signing off on early decision, you know, online electronic signature thingies this week. But I see a lot, I really do see, I think a little bit more head and early action. Mm -hmm. And just because they really don't want to harm or hurt their families anymore. And finances are a big problem for them. Mm -hmm. well, and even before the pandemic, the finances oh, absolutely. were a challenge. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting. Just the dynamics of early decision are, are pretty clear. Historically and statistically, they've given kids a better chance of, of getting into places. And that won't change this year at all. In fact, I think good colleges will probably push the early decision, but there are still a lot of contingent factors. I want to reflect a little bit more on uh, the conversation we had about the students who may come into your office. You know they're college bound, but they have that bewildered look. Ms. Gilman, I things are just kind of crazy in the world right now. I don't know where to start. I don't know which end is up. I don't know if I can do this. There's just that gray cloud that kind of hangs over them. How do you respond to that young person to help them move forward? Depends on the kid, obviously. That's always the classic line. But so many times it's just, okay, well, let's step all the way back here for a minute and let's see what, where are we? What can we control right now? What have you done? What haven't you done? Let's start with the basic building blocks of where we are and what we can and can't do. And sometimes that first time they come in might just be a big long conversation about what's going on in their life and what you know the realities of, of a lot of it might be. And then of course from there going into seeing the possibilities for testing. We'll get them, you know, where they can at least feel like they got accomplished, they got, you know, two or three baby steps towards, they still don't know what, and that's okay. And I, told, I tell them it's okay to not know what, mm -hmm. but to know that you wanna move forward and keep taking these steps. And we're gonna figure out what and where later on. I give all this information, all these to-do lists and all of this, and then at the end of it, take a breath and trust that you're gonna end up exactly where you're meant to be, wherever that might be, to take the next next step that we still don't know, but that's going to be where you were supposed to be to do that. And just getting them to buy into that and to believe that, and at the same time, do all the stuff I just told them to do. It's a lot for a kid sometimes. So sometimes you just got to give them baby steps, you know, and, and, and work through it. I love what you're saying here about reminding them that this is a process. It's not some event they need to finish on, on a Saturday afternoon. After a football game, always, too. Oh, you're, you're really going to knock it out then, aren't you? There, there are no distractions at all. 
Well, Lou, this has been wonderful. I've enjoyed the opportunity to, to hear what you and your colleagues are doing at Coral Reef High School. Kids are really lucky to have you, and, and I, I wish you the very best as you, you head into the, the cauldron, if you will, of, of this academic year. There are certainly going to be a lot of new surprises that perhaps we couldn't have anticipated in, uh, coming up because of the pandemic and otherwise. But, uh, you know, it sounds like the, your, your kids are in, in really good shape. I'm glad we were able to have the conversation because I think there are a lot of other students and families outside of your area that will benefit from the perspective that you shared. So thank you so much. And for those who are listening, I, I trust that you've been able to take some nuggets of advice out of this conversation that will help you with your college planning process as well. Thank you again, Lou. Best wishes to everybody. Have a great day and be safe. Thank you. It's been a joy. Take care.